If we were Adult Swim, we'd just have some non-sequitur fact written on a black background to warn parents to put the little ones to bed before watching. But we're a podcast, so you have to listen to this warning instead. Stay tuned for adult animation. Good day and welcome to Writers Get Animated, a podcast about animation, storytelling, and animation for adults. I'm Chris Leva. And I'm Mackenzie Worrell. And today we're discussing the state of animation specifically for adults. And what's going on? (laughs) Animation, is it for adults? What's going on? Let's find out. (laughs) Well done. Uh, I... What's really interesting is uh, adults can watch any animation, but children cannot watch any animation. Um, So we've talked in the past about animation that's suited for all families or all members of the family, but this is just for, would you say like 16 and up? I, I mean, I think it depends on the show. Some shows might be more than 16. Some shows might be less than 16. Yeah, how do we define adult? I I feel like in the U.S. it's basically something you wouldn't put on TV at like Saturday at 9 a.m. Mm. These are things that are like 8 or 9 p.m. Start yeah. times. Yeah, and I think there's this developing category of, like, 7 p.m., <laughs> that exciting time. Because <laughs> uh, in the U.S., we don't really have the nuance of, like, animation for different age groups and animation for, like, middle groups. You have a lot of anime that's kind of, like, mid-tier oriented. Maybe it's not bloody, maybe it's not violent, maybe it's not sexual, but it has more complex, darker, more grayscale storylines. I think we're starting to get stuff like that. Like Steven Universe is very much like a a teenage animated show masquerading as a candy coated kids show. Mm. I would also argue that She-Ra's very much along that line as well. Yeah, that that I think is like a burgeoning thing. But in the U.S., if you if just like Billy on the street and like went down your local your local urban hub back when you can do that or in the future, hopefully, when you can do that again, ask people, like, tell me, ma'am, what is animation for kids? Uh, I don't think the average American would differentiate between, like, something clearly for adults and something not for adults. Like, at this point, I argue, like, The Simpsons has migrated down to, like, that middle age group. (laughs) Yeah, I would agree with that. But back in 1980, 19-dickety-nine... Uh, (laughs) that was not its target demographic and it was definitely very different than everything came before. I won't say that in the mainstream is very different than everything that came before. Okay. Duly noted. (laughs) Chalk went up for the mainstream. So let's talk a little bit about some things. We have two examples of current adult animation that we'll get to. We'll be looking at 
season one, episode one of the Midnight Gospel. And what is our second thing that we'll be discussing? Uh, there's Last Man, which is a French animated show. Uh, we'll be looking at, I guess, episode one as well. Much different. Yes. Yeah, these... <laughs> so, Chris asked me what we should watch, and I didn't have any idea either. Um, <laughs> so, I hadn't seen any of these things before doing homework for this episode, but I suggest them because um, they're different. It's not like another thing in the spirit of the Simpsons, which is a popular and valid category with Simpsons, Futurama, Disenchantment, King of the Hill, Family Guy, American Dad, Rick and Morty, arguably like this kind of blobby, simplistic animation sitcom storytelling style in favor of telling a more mature story with that emphasis on visuals. Both The Midnight Gospel and Last Man look completely different and behave completely differently from this American idea of adult animation in the mainstream. Yeah, because in a lot of ways, you're right, that adult animation of the U.S. is either Simpsons, which itself was influenced in very many ways by the Flintstones way, way back as the very first animated show for adults. <laughs> Of the Flintstones, so Simpsons just carries on that, which is basically we could have the same things as a sitcom, but be a little more wacky because we can do whatever we want because it's drawn. Yeah, it's it's just like this heightened family drama world. Mm. Suspend your disbelief. Grandpa Rick has this space time dimension thing but he's just a regular grandpa that we have family drama with <laughs> so why do you think that happens in terms of what that one realm of u.s adult animation looks like I, mm, or what are the is, possibilities i guess i think this just be all like pop psychology on my part i'm sure there are way smarter people <laughs> who have done an analysis and like can tell you like historically and financially why this is, but the American film and TV system rewards things that are similar to things that have already made money. Mm -hmm. And I think the Simpsons is the longest running TV show period now. Yeah. Uh, it's been on for forever. It's made, money hand over fist um people know air quotes that it works and so doing things that are similar should also air quotes work and what we're not going to talk about today are like the the legions of dead single season or two season knockoff shows <laughs> that came after the simpsons right <laughs> and it's just it's interesting that because when you think of those, I mean, we're a, we're a podcast that talks about animation, but also the writing side of things and the storytelling. And it really is, I don't know, you, you made the note in here and I really, you asked it as a question. I'm like, yes, this is, this has to be why, because it is 
it's more about the writing than the artwork. Like the artwork supports the comedy and the writing. It's just a way to make certain jokes that exist. And it's not necessarily because it's able to do something other than what's in the script. Yeah, when you watch Saturday Night Live, you suspend your disbelief because they, you're not, so many of the sketches there aren't literally happening physically in the real world. You suspend your disbelief a lot because you know it's sketch comedy. The same happens with animation as an adult. Like, this animation, it's happening in the world of this thing. I don't need to think too hard about it. Mm -hmm. And... I mean, nowadays you could probably get away with doing some of this more on like a live action animate, not like a live action sitcom type situation with heavy use of visual effects that are convincing and air quotes real. Um, but at least in 1989, you couldn't get away with half the stuff the Simpsons did. I mean, so much of it is like, here's this workplace drama in a nuclear reactor facility. Like, good luck building that set. <laughs> 80s. Jeez. <laughs> what are you going to use? A glow stick instead of uranium? Probably. Although that would be a fun show. I'd watch that now, like a show that takes place in the 80s, but it. It would be a beloved cult show that got canceled after one season. Yeah. Yeah. I'd probably watch it once it made it to Netflix if it wasn't on Netflix to begin with, which it probably would be. Let's be real. Uh, <laughs> And then there's the other idea. So there's that safe tradition of what we'll call it safening up adult animation. And then there's the other adult animation side, which is edgy and a little bit more crude in some ways, maybe in writing and in style. I, I think back when I was a kid, the most adult things were like liquid television on music television, you know, MTV at the time. I don't know how we, you're, you're much younger than me, I think. So I knew I don't know if any of this television. resonates. They had Aeon Flux and some other stuff. Okay, spy versus I Spy, yeah. Okay, I didn't know. I wasn't <laughs> sure. And I don't know if our listeners know, but... That was like the edgy, experimental, non-narrative form, quick joke, but really detailed, interesting artwork. Not It looked different than other things. I think there's been various iterations of American animation trying stuff like that between like Liquid Television and Cartoon Network doing their even younger oriented stuff like the What a Cartoon Mm. or the cartoon cartoons, whatever they were called. It's been a long time. <laughs> uh, but then also moving into Adult Swim and whatever, and I mean this in a positive way, uh, drug-induced nightmare they have in store for you that night. <laughs> <laughs> I, I hear the I hear the compliment. Yeah. I hear it. It's always interesting and unique, which is not something you want to hear like as a kid necessarily. Oh, you're so interesting and unique. Uh, but you learn later why that made you special. You can power through. Because, uh, like I said, we're not talking about like all these one-season wonder things, but there's so many of those that I love, not necessarily 
from either of these two things, but from different channels. Um, Clone High was just announced that it's they're going to revive that show. Right. Uh, that's coming back. Can't wait. And that's one of those, like, no one watched it. We're going to cancel it. And now you look back, like, who would dare cancel an aged up animated comedy from Lord and Miller. Like who had that stupid idea? And that's how you, you get your brand a little bit. Maybe that's, I don't know. Neither here nor there. Also, also coming back from the dead, uh, Beavis and Butthead to, to bring back the MTV conversation, like segue from there. Mm-hmm. So those two things, Dead but returning. Among others, um, I think this we just want to talk about this originally back when it was announced that Tuca and Birdie was coming back on Adult Swim, not streaming. Yeah. Cable's reviving something that streaming canceled. That's 2020 for you. <laughs> All bets are off, man. <laughs> well, that's why I think this might be a really interesting time in animation because there has been such a studio investment into animation right now. And Mm -hmm. even some live action shows doing animated episodes, uh, just because that's, I don't want to say as, as someone who doesn't work in animation, uh, my impression from following people on Twitter is that it would be an exaggeration to say working remotely on animated shows works per se, Mm. but it certainly seems more doable than (laughs) making, new live action shows remotely somehow. You can't just have a whole season of Skype episodes or Zoom. Right. What are the kids on now? Zoom, mostly. Or you can't do uh, a socially distanced sitcom where they're on the set, but it's getting disinfected as people move to different areas of the set. We've been done reshooting the scene because we can't wipe down that console anymore. Or you have somebody and... Like, okay, we're just going to shoot the cutaways for you on on Tuesday. We'll get all the shots of this person on Monday. You just plan for some, like, special effects to animate in when they are together. It's a bit unfeasible. Yeah. I would suspect that next season, I guess, uh, we'll probably see... (laughs) more animation, more new animation than we've ever had before in the Mm -hmm. US. And probably a lot of it won't, it'll be rushed if it's coming out that soon. Uh, And there'll be things about it that are great and challenging and things that won't be, but I think it'll be a good time for us as a country to reckon with like, (laughs) animation isn't just for kids and it doesn't have to be just kids or adults and all or nothing thing. There could be this middle middle ground. Which you see people love. We've talked about Kipo and the Age of Wonder Beasts already, which I think is in that middle ground. Right. And we talked about, we just talked, listed She-Ra and Steven Universe also in that middle ground too. Mm-hmm. Amphibious slants a little younger, but it wants to, it wants to be in there. Um, Owl House wants to be there too. Yeah. I think but Disney's... They skew. They'll probably be the last giant to try and skew. I feel like currently Disney's like, no, let's 
let's lower the height restriction on this ride. Let's get more people on this ride. We'll lower the height restriction. Yeah, if if every other animation approach has been like all or nothing, kid or adult, uh, Disney's has just been like all kid. Uh, mm-hmm. I am still shocked that Simpsons is on Disney Plus. <laughs> right. I think they're starting to acknowledge that there uh, there is an audience for things other than their bread and butter. Uh, maybe there's room for nuance. Maybe we can have like a, a dark, gritty Zootopia reboot. I don't know if that'll happen in the <laughs> age of 2020. I, yeah, I don't, for so many reasons, no. I, I don't think that'll happen. Uh, prequel... With Nick, maybe, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't think anything. Maybe, maybe a launch into the future, so like a few generations from now, Zootopia, but not. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, we'll see. But the day that like Futurama makes it on Disney Plus is the day that I know that they've really acknowledged like there's a market for this stuff, right? So let's, we have this long list. I think I'm just going to read it just to prime our audience. And then we'll start talking about our two, our two examples of current adult animation that's out there. Um, So we have, we talked about the notable things from the past. We have Futurama, King of the Hill, Beavis and Butthead, which is coming back, Clone High, which is coming back. I don't know if I'd put it, say, notable, but it's from the past. Um, <laughs> some notable things that are still out there and still going on. Um, Simpsons, Rick and Morty, Family Guy, South Park, Bob's Burgers. And then some recent ones that have, some that have expired and some that are ongoing, but just recent things, BoJack Horseman. Pour one out for Bojack. Um, Harley Quinn, Disenchantment, the new Central Park, Tuca and Birdie. Coming back. I'm so glad that we, since we had to delay our recording of this, that now we're like, yes, it's coming back. It's current again. Yay. Yay. (laughs) Big Mouth, Solar Opposites, Duncanville, Castlevania, Final Space, Stars, Primal, and the upcoming Invincible. And when you picture a lot of the even current stuff in your head, you kind of picture the same rounded edges, blobby sitcom animation, which isn't to say it's bad. It's just all kind of I think similar. some of them you get a little bit, bit different. I mean, look at Primal. Yeah, yeah. That, different. That's, Castlevania. It was a leading question, but thank you. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, so the stuff that you see that's a little bit different is kind of more on the the anime side that's in there, whether American or not. But Castlevania mm-hmm. definitely leads into like the anime aesthetic. Um, Primal doesn't, but Primal lives in its own like Gendy Tadakovsky, like <laughs> right. ivory tower. <laughs> Then you have Harley Quinn, which is somewhere, somewhere in between 
Yeah, it looks it's in the DC animated show style, but uh, I don't know. It feels congruent with other stuff in their universe, even though it's not necessarily congruent with what you'd expect for adult animation. But I would place Big Mouth, Solar Opposites, Duncanville, Central Park, Bob's Burgers, all those. I know Central Park and Bob's Burgers were the same folks, but just because you wrote the same thing doesn't mean it has to look the same. Yeah. Yeah. That that's a fact. Um, and if you look at Bojack and Tukin Birdie, Tukin Birdie takes some of that DNA, but its artwork is on some level just uh, heightened from where Bojack is. Like, yeah, you look at it, you know, this is definitely a different show. And the people who, when it first came out, didn't know that were the ones who really confused me on Twitter. Um, but I think it's fairly obvious when you look at Tukin Birdie, like, oh, yeah, this is a new, unique show. Yeah. About 10 seconds into the theme. Tukin Birdie, Tukin Birdie. <laughs> yeah, not even 10 seconds. You get the <laughs> buildings with the, the dancing boobs on them. And it's like, okay, I know what I'm in for. This is going to be fun and zany and quirky. I don't think you know what you're in for, but I, I think you get a sense that it's not what you expected. <laughs> Speaking of not what you expected, let's talk about our very first example, <laughs> the Midnight Gospel. Well, I think this is a great one to talk about first, too, because I think so many of these we've talked about, like, comedy is the emphasis, so we kind of not looked at the animation hasn't been the focus and the visuals haven't been the focus because the focus has been on the writing and what goes on there. And the Midnight Gospel, for the most part, uh, was air quotes, written long before they decided to make it a show. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you haven't seen The Midnight Gospel, uh, here's a favor to you for what to expect. Uh, it's edited versions of the Duncan Trussell Family Hour podcast uh, edited into a narrative with a little bit of extra stuff that they've then animated into this mind and ambiguing, like... <laughs> trippy show then there's yes. a narrative there's definitely a narrative i don't know it's it, just period there's a narrative <laughs> it's like it's like if um disney instead of classical music was like i listen to uh this podcast let's do fantasia with uh this podcast which I'm not necessarily opposed to the idea. Hint, hint, animation professional listeners listening to Writers Get Animated. <laughs> <laughs> We're here. We'll edit down. We'll get Nigel so, on that. <laughs> <laughs> so we are a podcast about animation <laughs> that are now talking about a podcast that's been turned into animation. Yes. Yeah, this is like the strangest world that we live in right now. <laughs> 2020. Mazel 2020. <laughs> uh, I I definitely 
I know, Chris, you didn't know what to expect getting into this, and I didn't either. Um, there's there's a learning curve in the first episode if you're not sure what you're watching. Yeah, I I had no idea when. Usually, when we find things, we might watch a trailer. I don't think I ever watched a trailer beyond a couple of seconds that Netflix accidentally plays for you when you turn on the app and it's just like, here's the new thing. You need to watch it. We're just going to start playing audio and video from it. Um, 90% match for you. I swear. Watch it. Um, But I didn't watch anything about it or read about it or know anything. And we just, just started watching it. And in that case, it hits you a little bit um, in a strange way. It, and not, I don't say strange in a negative. I just mean it's so different from anything that I've seen that I wasn't sure what was happening mechanically. I think about six minutes in, I was like, wait, is this a podcast? (laughs) I feel like they just took a podcast and put animation on it. And I mean, just is still a very generous word there. Like the animation they've put on it, it's not, it's not between two ferns, the animated show. It's not two people sitting there with a sparse background talking like you're right. You make so a very much valid point. I, I think what I what I told you in our planning session uh, was I the learning curve for me was trying to figure out what to focus on. And I, I don't know if that's like mm. a symptom of my brain chemistry, whatever that is, uh, as a human. Uh, it's just like I want to pay attention to the words because they're so dense and there's a lot going on. And it's the kind of podcast that's already world expanding and trippy and it, it's edited down. So it's like there's no room to breathe. You're not absorbing ideas. It's like thing, 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 thing. But at the same time, there's so much happening visually that isn't referenced by the words. Uh, that you're trying to, sometimes I'd find myself zoning out, like watching the animation, trying to follow that story, then go, wait, where are we with mushrooms in your mind now? I, I've lost track. <laughs> uh, so that that was hard for me to get up to speed with. Uh, but I think once I got in the, the right frame of mind, I was good. I would agree. I think you need to watch these episodes at least twice once to have just the experience of watching it and then the next time to not be surprised so that way you can have fun. I would equate it to you're on a ride. This is a lot of ride amusement parks. I guess I can't get out and have a vacation. So it's just happened in my brain. So if you're on this ride and the first time you have it, you don't know what to expect and it's you're just thrown off by all the surprises. And then the second time you write it, you're enjoying it because there's also the anticipation of what it is. And it's not as surprising, but there's new things. There are new things that are jumping out at you that you get to experience in a new fun way and detail that you can notice that was 
surprising last time, but now you can actually appreciate it a little bit more. Yeah, that's very well said. Thank you. I don't have anything to add to that. It's just well said. <laughs> the ride metaphor works. Uh, <laughs> I I am excited to see like this. I don't know, like for lack of a better term, like the adult swim aesthetic, like this kind of melty, flowy animation style bleeding into the mainstream. And maybe that's, I'm not used to seeing that in like a, a longer 20 to 30 minute format either. Mm. And so perhaps that's what made it harder to follow as well. Like my brain just hasn't seen anything like this before. In a sustained amount of time. Yeah, exactly. My ADD was not, uh, that's exaggerated. I don't have ADD. I'm sorry to anyone with ADD listening. Uh, my personal challenges with paying attention for long periods of time in the age of smartphones uh, was challenged by this show's format in a good mm. way. Mm-hmm. That being said, like when I, when I was hooked on something, I was hooked. Like I was focused on that thing for the duration of whatever that thing was that was happening. Because it is, there are two very distinct threads happening in this. So we end up, we start off with a narrative that seems familiar to us in a way. It feels very Cartoon Network-y where, you know, a, a pink character is walking around and getting their breakfast together and getting ready to go into a universe simulator. And we get an idea on how it works slightly. I, I, I love how economical the storytelling and the framing is like, oh, which universe do you want to visit today? And choose your avatar and join the simulation uh, so it, like we get an idea of what's working and sort of how it works. And then um, he sticks his head into a very um, vaginal looking device <laughs> to to go into and enter the simulation and to enter the simulated world and end up on an earth that's been overrun by zombies there's a zombie apocalypse happening um, and he goes to interview this man dubbed glasses man who ends up being the president short little man with glasses barely any features um, (laughs) barely any fingers uh, who is the president and fighting off this zombie apocalypse and he decides to record him for his vidcast and have an interview with him. So you have the story that you're following of their conversation, which is about um, drugs Mm -hmm. and are drugs good or bad, or is it the circumstances in which they're taken? What, I don't want to say taints them, but (laughs) it makes them good or bad. Yeah. Um, and then there's two characters, the president and Clancy, the main character, running from 
zombies attacking the White House. So and you're watching those two threads. Yeah, yeah. They have almost no connection except that they're both happening at the same time. Right. Simultaneous delivery of two disparate threads. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> and and that's the challenge. They sometimes emerge when there's a, oh, we got to get out of here kind of moment, you know. But other than that, I don't think there's. Without having listened to the original podcast recording, like I kind of want to know, did they get people from the original recording to come back and record like little bits about zombies and fleeing? Or was there just like a two minute bit they did in this podcast recording that had zombies and fleeing involved? And then they turn that into like the punches throughout. I don't know. <laughs> I'm not sure what the craft arc looked like here. I feel like they brought them back. The <laughs> ones that they could. Yeah. I feel yeah. like they brought them back. Because hmm. while, while we've talked about the first episode so far, I, I won't lie. After watching the first episode, I kind of went to Google was like, what's the best episode? <laughs> I kind of got the impression I didn't have to watch them in a linear fashion. And I knew that there are some people who love this show. And while I'm not 100% the biggest champion of it, uh, I did really enjoy its kind of stylistic counterpoint to things like R- Rick and Morty. Um, it wasn't, it was exploring topics that are similar and deep but without like this emphasis on quips and one-liners i'm like okay now i just want to see what's the the most perfect realization of that in the view of the people who love this show like let me try to understand more where they're coming from so skip to the last episode uh which i didn't write down what it's called but the last episode of the season uh that's episode eight yes um, uh, I like full on like Niagara Falls, like was crying door because I'm, I'm a sucker for like real world context for what something's happening. And the last episode is an animated version of a podcast episode that he recorded with his actual mother. And it begins all about in the first episode or the, the episodes, the first half indeed is all about like him and his childhood and his upbringing and like what that was like and how his mother saw him and her experience with motherhood and his experience of being mothered, which is already moving and interesting. And then halfway through they shift to how she has stage four cancer and is going to die in the near future. And shortly after recording that podcast, I think like weeks afterwards she did die. And it's just such a, really raw conversation it is but it's it's such it's so authentic Mm -hmm. and it doesn't feel sometimes when you're you're listening to something like that it could tend to feel voyeuristic and this it didn't it was a very open free conversation but very vulnerable conversation to both of them were very open and vulnerable, honest about what they were feeling. Um, And I think a lot of that had to do with um, his mother and her views on everything. She had been told about six times that she had six months to live. 
or like 12 times or something. She's like, I've been told to, and part of the, part of it was saying, I have to go. Uh, somebody said that I should go get what it's going to cost to be cremated because I should get that because it could happen any day now. Mm-hmm. And, and she had that number handy on yeah. the podcast. And it was, it was that openness, but it's not, she's coming at it, not from a place of fear and she's not asking for anyone to feel bad. She's like, I'm full of life. And that's exactly what the animation starts to evoke is what is life and what is being full of life. And it goes from just her and I won't go into like what, what things morph into because we're talking about the first episode, but it it just (laughs) the transformations and it's, it's really moving. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I, still hear and can see parts of that episode in my head. So again, while I'm not 100% the, the biggest champion of the show, like I loved that episode. I loved the experience. And like just in the modern context, a, a triple feature evening of that episode, free churros slash the view from up here of BoJack Horseman and like the last season of Steven Universe, all about mothers and complex relationships. Like that's a hell of a triple feature. Like go watch that and see how you feel which one would you watch last <sighs> this one i'd watch yeah. the midnight gospel last yeah. it just feels transformational and that that's something trustless said i uh so in choosing the episodes and the parts of the podcast to use he said when i'm doing a podcast there are moments where my whole universe changes because someone told me something that I never knew. And once you hear that, you're forever changed. You live in a completely different dimension than you lived in before. And that's the feeling of these episodes. Like he's literally going into new dimensions and getting these things. And so the animation embodies what's happening that way. Mm -hmm. And I've maybe not to that degree, I think, Duncan Trussell has spent more time like in long podcasts having these deep conversations than I mean no read on us but we talk about writing an animation we're not talking about like are drugs good uh, <laughs> right uh, I have found myself lately like I'll hear something on NPR someone will say something to me and I just kind of like reflexively like say it quietly back to myself real quick like something I've never heard and didn't know that I needed a word for. And I hear the phrase or word, I go, ah, that thing. And it's like this moment of change. And mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I celebrate that and the, the want to put that in an accessible form of animation on Netflix, not just finding this podcast on the internet and sharing that with people. Cause it is something we can all, learn from whether you agree or not it's it's a learning moment it's this unique moment i think something that we've talked about previously i think we talked about it when we first discussed tuca and birdie was the strength of animation to show an interior life Hmm. an emotional experience or uh, intellectual experience beyond 
what live action could ever do. Yeah. Because no matter what three 3D CGI thing you create in live action, you know, let's think of like Doctor Strange <laughs> animation of wild, wacky, psychedelic. You're not going to get this experience of this 2D drawn, uh, liquidy, folding, tugging <laughs> animation um, that's there that, that just gives you this, either the emotion that you're getting from the show or from a completely different side of it. Yeah. And maybe that's a shift right now of going from the standpoint in American animation of like, you can suspend your disbelief easier because it's all animates. This crazy thing can happen to like, if we make you suspend your disbelief fully, what can we do? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was not expecting, uh, like a giant baby zombie eating the White House. But it it makes perfect sense. It's it's ludicrous. It just shows you how far things go, but also it keeps in mind that you're on a interesting emotional journey. Mm -hmm. I think the second episode leads you a little bit further from a straight narrative. I think the first episode eases you in zombie apocalypse. We could all relate to that. We all understand zombie apocalypse and being chased by zombies and the tropes and the feelings. And yeah, even though it's um, heightened and ridiculous and there's some crazy monstrosities, we understand that narrative. Got to run, got to find a cure, got to go over here. Um, and then you get the second episode and you end up with cute hippo antelope animals getting processed into burger meat. And it's a different experience. But uh, it's it's really... What do I want to even say about this? Uh, there is so much that you get that it, you will have to process it. I just say again, give it a second viewing. If the first time you're like, I don't know what I'm watching, the second time you'll be able to see more things at work. You'll get to see the artistry of it because in this, the editing of the dialogue is the writing and the structure and the construction of the through line, and then the way that the animation builds and follows one continuous thing, or where it diverges and becomes something else entirely. Yeah. But it was so different. And I don't know, again, I think I'm with you, it's not 100% my favorite thing, but I was, I was moved. And if that's not one of the points of art, I don't know what is. Yeah, I am super thrilled that it exists in the world and is doing new, interesting things and challenging some mainstream ideas of what animation is. <clears throat> um, like Beyonce, 
I might not necessarily get excited for a new album, but do I look forward to the best of hits? Yeah, I do. I thought you were about to compare yourself to Beyonce when you said that. Like, like Beyonce, I also. <laughs> but then you <laughs> oh, went no. somewhere else. I, was <laughs> I would never compare myself to Beyonce. Oh, and other things that we would not compare to Beyonce. Let's talk about Last Man. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just, this, just on oof. with the segues today. <laughs> I, I had half a joke in my brain and it didn't come out. It didn't process. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> oh, no, it's gone. Um, Last Man. Yes, this show is completely the opposite end of the spectrum for Midnight Gospel, but also new and challenging and stylistic and so different from other things. This, I don't even know how to describe the show. Like it owes a lot to anime, but it's also very French at the same time. It's very stylized. I think it owes more to actual physical comic books. Yes. Than an animated anime. You're completely right. It does feel a lot like if a comic book wasn't just still moments, but was actually fluid, that's what this show is. Oh, it's like, nope, nope, that's problematic to say in 2020. Never mind. <laughs> I was about to make a comparison to Harry Potter and... Oh, I mean, that's not the most problematic 2020 thing you could have said. I know, that's true. Death of the author. It's, it's like... Um, if you lived in a magical universe where pictures moved, this would be how comic books would be experienced. Hmm. So comic books would never been invented. We'd have gone straight to animation. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. A daring hot take on the world of the wizarding world. <laughs> anyway, so, last man, I'm, I'm not gonna lie. I've only watched one episode so far. Cause I'm in the middle of like, a number of other things I don't on my plate, but I'm going to keep watching this because um, as cheesy and ridiculous as it gets at times, this is 100% <laughs> my jam. This is exactly what I wanted to be writing at the end of college. This is the kind of writer that I wanted to be and wanted to achieve in 2008, 2009, 2010. Like this is okay. what I thought that I was. I, I have to hear more about this. How? Okay. So last man, Let's, let's talk a little bit about this. There are 13-minute episodes. It's mm -hmm. been this weird in-between the Cartoon Network 10 minutes and the Netflix 23 minutes. 13 minutes. And what is the general story? The main character is this kind of jerk boxer MMA person and there's something fantastical slash magical happening. I haven't made it past the first episode yet, so I, I'm not doing a good job articulating this, but his mentor slash boxing gym owner friend is killed and he's trying to investigate or get revenge on that question mark. Yeah. Again, and I'm he, in. I don't, I don't really care what the plot is. I'm in. And he's trying to save the daughter of, of his trainer who got killed. 
Right, yes. But there's some secret society that's after her. And it's based on a comic book, I believe. That sounds right. But it's a prequel. It's like takes ten takes place ten years before the comic book. So they mm. could tell their own standalone story, like a origin story in a way. Yeah. I wonder if it'll catch up at some point. I don't know. So tell me a little bit about why this is, what about this is 2008, 2009 Mackenzie? Uh, it's like Euro electronic music, which is everything that I listened to at the time. Um, it's like, what if drama scene, but set inside a dance club? Um, and of course, because I, I lived in the UK, 2007, 2008, like I went out to Euro dance clubs. Like I had this in mind, like, this is so fun. Like it's like Eurovision at home and a dance club at night. And it's like this great time. And we wear trench coats and drink Jamaican beer for some reason in Europe. I don't know why. (laughs) There's a lot to unpack there. Uh, yeah. Yeah. But no, I, I, my big writing thing that I was working on at the time was like, um, it, I'm not going to dig too deep into this because on the surface level sounds again, like another thing that shouldn't happen given the year 2020. Um, and just trust me when I, I say that I have good intentions behind trying to tell a story around this. But at the time I was trying to write like a modern adaptation of the John Wilkes Booth story and trying to dig into what that would look like in the modern age. If John Wilkes Booth, the probable racist, probable sexist, uh, possible bad actor, uh, possible jaded third child. Um, if, if the major plot points, you know, about his life unfolded and he assassinated the president in the modern day, like what, would that look like in the modern text? And looking backward and 12 years ago, me like, man, I foresaw a lot of YouTube crap coming. I good on me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's what I was digging into celebrity and YouTube and the internet 2008 and how that can give you an alt-right, uh, bias and like what that looks like. So maybe I should have pursued that. Don't, uh, anyway, um, digging into that, but it was also like, they owned a club and I'm setting these scenes in the club and I just listened to like Euro dance music as I was writing and like how did that apply in celebrity and coolness um so that that's just my aesthetic I love the colors of blue and the streaks they choose as like cool punchy action moments mm. it's and it's also just it's if I may introduce I don't know if we use this word in our show yet, but I feel like it's also having a modern 2020 moment. It's very much a himbo show. The male bimbo is a himbo. So like a dumb, pretty person, like a dumb Mm. dude jock. Um, Of other shows we've talked about that this word is applied a lot to Launchpad McQuack as a himbo ideal type. Um, and the sense I get from Last Man is also a lot of the same because a lot of the comedy in the show originates from the main character being dumb, for lack of a better word. Like the plot point in the first episode is he thinks that this 
gangster is out for revenge on him, so they killed his mentor. But it was actually the mystical subplot thing that killed his mentor. So they have a big fight, and there's a misunderstanding. Is oh, you didn't kill him? Then what am I here as your hostage for trying to take revenge for? <laughs> <laughs> it's like this comedy of misunderstandings, but in like a Sopranos level of like killing people. Right. And I really appreciate how that humor is done. And I think part of it comes from the quickness of it. And also, one thing is every shot matters and every shot is important and every shot counts. And I think that had to do with the making of it because it was done without a big budget without anything and they were just making it as they went and did like crowdfunding and other things so yeah you you better have everything planned out only exactly what you want to have shown and nothing else extra and we don't (laughs) what it is is what we're gonna make and that's it so Mm -hmm. everything feels super well planned super well-timed and amazingly necessary. Yeah. It reminds me a lot of like early films from the Wachowskis. Like when you have an editor and not a very big budget, this is what you can turn out. And then when you're given so much money and creative freedom that it starts to balloon out of control, maybe it's not as entertaining. Still love the Wachowskis and their work. Uh, but early Wachowski definitely has a similar vibe to this of there's this passionate thing we want to make and there's so much controlling that we have to be very particular about how we make it and what we choose to show. Mm. That makes a lot of sense. I would agree with that assessment because it, it does feel like you're not, there's no bloat at all. And the, most of it, there's not even time to breathe. Like it's on to the next thing and the next, uh, there, there are very few transitions. It's a lot of hard cuts. Yeah. There aren't any fades. I can't, I don't remember any fades. It's just hard cut, hard cut, hard cut, maybe movement to move on to the next thing. But I don't remember any like cross fades or transitions at all. It feels very smashy. Yeah. It's a very, very quick show. And that, I think, is part of what makes it so striking. Like, there's just... When it does slow down in its cinematography, it's very intentional to highlight mystery or shock. It's like I... I, Like, you'll not see someone get punched because that's quick and that's the choreography and cinematography, but you'll see them slowly kind of recoil from getting punched because it's the emphasis on the hit and not the moment leading up to the hit. Mm-hmm. I think I watched three of the episodes because they were really fast and, you know, so I, I want to see where it's headed personally, but yeah. I had to finish Shira first. I respect that. Yeah. Oh, <sighs> Shira. I know. We'll have to do a follow-up episode on She-Ra. <laughs> teen animation. 
Anyway, is there anything else we would like to say about um, Last Man other than if you have 13 minutes, check out the first episode and have a lot of fun doing it? Yeah. Even if we haven't been the best salesman for either of these shows, um, definitely check them both out. Uh, it's it's different if you crave something visually different and not aligned with like the mainstream idea of adult animation. Like check these shows out. Like don't complain. Go look for them. They do exist. Um, mm-hmm. Celebrate Support them. them. Yeah. <laughs> Even if and they're not for you, just like love them, cherish them. Because who knows with these, if people start to experiment and try and they see that there's an audience, more will happen. Mm-hmm. You know, change will come. Just experience it. True fact. Did you have a favorite thing from anything that we experienced this time? I did. In the spirit of not spoiling too much of the last episode of Midnight Gospel, I won't detail it, but almost at the exact halfway point, there's like this beautifully animated sequence that ties in perfectly to what they're talking about at the time. Um, And it's just like a perfect minute of animation, in my opinion. It's absolutely wonderful. Um, I read your note about what it is, and I would agree with that. That was really gorgeous. That wasn't my favorite thing, though. My favorite thing is smaller, and it's an acting thing. Okay, do tell. In the first episode of The Midnight Gospel, Clancy's going about his business, starting to listen to some music, uploading his latest vidcast, and then he goes out onto his front lawn, and as he's listening to music, he gets a little bit of joy, and he just does this little dance before he sits in his chair. Just like this little dance move, just like, boom, to a couple of little bounces, and then like, ah, and then sits down in his chair. I'm like, that, those little acting moments of you're not thinking of character getting from here to here. You're thinking of this person living their life. Mm-hmm. And like, what is that experience of throwing on the music in your morning, grabbing your grabbing your drink and heading out to your front yard and oh yeah you're gonna of course you're gonna dance a little bit that's that's great and that's what i I also cherish that yeah i think anytime in film or tv animated or not you see just one person go from point a to point b that doesn't happen in real life like how does a person get there what are they thinking about what are they doing do they stop anywhere do they do dance moves and that's how you tell character without Mm -hmm. having dialogue Right. He loves life. You can see right there. He's love, he loves life and he's easygoing and just these bouncy legs. Squash and stretch, Chris. Squash and stretch. <laughs> Shall we talk homework time? Let's. For your homework... We're going into the world of Looney Tunes on HBO Max. Max, Max, Max. So check out the new Looney Tunes series. Grab a Bugs Bunny one. Just watch one with bugs in it. 
Um, and then also, if you want for extra credit, go back and watch an earlier Looney Tunes because those are also available on HBO Max and you can see what's going on. And we will discuss Looney Tunes on HBO Max next time. As always, thank you to our engineer, Nigel Catino, and to Jacob Reed for our theme music. Find us on the web, on Twitter, at WG Animated. Find us on Facebook and like our page there, facebook.com slash WG Animated. And go to our Podbean and check out any of our show notes and look up our past episodes. WritersGetAnimated.Podbean.com and if you want to turn this podcast episode into an animated show, our cash app cash tag is dot, dot, dot. We don't have one, but we don't have one. But oh, wouldn't that be nice? Yeah. Good night, everybody.